0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Self-Control Through Torah. I am Modia Silva, a psychotherapist and author in Toronto, Canada. And ordinarily, normally, as you probably know, um, this is a shared project with my good friend in Chicago, Dr. David Gottlieb, who is a historian and a a teacher, a, 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 a provider at the Spurtus Institute. He unfortunately is not able to join us um, due to family um, issues or emergencies. And so we look forward to coming back together. I really miss David uh, last week's episode. Also, David wasn't able to be there and um, I hope you enjoyed it, But uh, but I really missed him. So hopefully next week, He will be back, and we will be back to our regular format. For those of you who are joining for the first time, Self-Control Through Torah is a project that we started back in September, and we look at the beginning of the uh, Torah reading cycle. So we started at the beginning of Genesis with the Parsha of Greshit, and every week we work our way through the weekly Torah portion, and we do it in a very unique way. We think we are taking um, the text Cheshbon HaNefesh, the accounting of the soul, written by Rabbi Leffin, and um, in that sefer, Rabbi Leffin presents thirteen character traits, thirteen midot. We pick. We're working our way through the 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 uh, the the list, and we pick each character trait and stick with it for four parshas meaning four episodes four weeks and we look at the torah portion through the lens of that particular mida the this is our fourth week fourth episode looking at the mida of nukiyut of cleanliness and um we'll see what we can learn from this week's parsha before we dive into the parsha and i'm going to go back and forth a little bit someone told me this past week about being in um, the airport in Tokyo, Japan. And they went to the washroom and they were pleasantly surprised at how incredibly clean it was. And for those of you who may have traveled through that part of the world, um, maybe you know that already, that um, the Japanese pride themselves on their advanced technology and their care for, um, for the environment their care for civilization, for their fellow fellow people. They said, and whether this is true or not, I don't know, but they said that the toilets in the airport are cleaner than toilets and bathrooms in hotels, restaurants, and possibly even in homes uh, else in other parts of the world, including North America. Now, why am I starting our podcast by telling you that? because I want to share this idea from Rabbi Avigdor Miller. Rabbi Avigdor Miller presented essentially three concentric circles when it comes to Mida development, um, perfecting your own character strengths. He said that the inner circle is you, is the work that you do to perfect the character trait within you. And let's say out of 10, you manage to achieve an eight out of 10 in terms of that character strength. So then the next concentric circle out is your relationship with uh, people close to you, family, friends. And the maximum that you can now achieve in terms of your relationship with others around that character trait is now an eight out of 10 because that's the most you did internally in in terms of your inner work. And then you go out to the third circle, the third concentric circle, and now you're at the general population and the, and let's say with your family and friends from that eight out of 10 max, you achieve a six out of 10. So now in the outer circle, the most you can possibly achieve with the general population is a six out of 10, and maybe you get to a four or a five, maybe. So, you understand that what he's essentially saying is the work begins with you, the work begins with me. It's an internal process of development that then allows me to look out and share that growth that I've achieved with the rest of the world and hopefully do that. So when it comes to nukiyu, to cleanliness, it's the same thing. If I want to live in a clean world, whatever clean means, and we'll get into that a little more, um, but let's say uh, for now it's purity, which it isn't quite, but let's say that, um, then if I want to live in a pure, clean world, then the degree to which I cleanse myself internally is the maximum to which I can live in a clean world externally. Now, we could say that a little psychologically to, to um that I have to build a framework of this private world within the psyche of my animal spirit. That is the language of Heshban Hanefesh. So Rabbi Lefin said this same thing. That what you want to do is manage, essentially manage your animal spirit, your physical drives and urges. And you do it by building this framework within first. So the world we live in, the external world, isn't actually real. It's a world built by our perceptions. And so this might be a bit hard to swallow philosophically, but I view the world through my own constructs in my brain and my existence such that I can now say, oh, this is the world, but it's actually not. It's actually my perception of the world. And so if I wish to live in a clean world, meaning pure, then I have to build purity within myself first, so that the perception, my perception of the world is one that is seen through the lens of purity, of, of cleanliness. Right. Okay, so I want to come back to clothing because a lot of what gets talked about when we read about Nukiyut, about cleanliness, is our appearance. And it seems somewhat superficial. We learned last week about um, a Torah scholar who has a glob of fat on their shirt should be put to death. That's an extreme teaching from the Talmud, right? But something about clothing becomes really important. And I think it's got to do with how our appearance has to become a constant reminder to us about how we are to be in the world, or at least what we strive to be in the world. In Kohelet, chapter 9, verse 8, Shlomo Hamelach, King Solomon, teaches us, let your clothing always be white. And the Talmud in Masechet, um, hmm, that's a good, that's a good um, question. Where is it? It's Mesechet Shabbos. So Mesechet Shabbat 153a tells us that this idea from Kohelet, let your clothing always be white, actually means that a person must constantly be doing teshuva, constantly investigating their mistakes and then cleansing themselves of that mistake. That's essentially what teshuva, what repentance is. In other words, the physical world has to inspire us to cleanse and elevate ourselves And the rest of the world to that spiritual level, which brings me back to something that David had commented on two episodes ago. I was wearing a colorful shirt, and David kept asking me about this shirt. And yeah, not because he wanted it. Well, maybe he wanted it. Um, But he was asking me in the context of Nikiyut, of cleanliness, because so much of this writing around this trait, as I just said, deals with clothing. And he wanted to know what impact wearing colorful shirts had on me. So I went back and I found a beraisa in Masechet, in the Talmud, in the tractate of Avodah page 20a, which says... Mm-hmm, if you just give me a moment... Okay, okay, and is it then permissible to gaze and and what the Talmud is asking is, is it permissible for a man to gaze upon the beauty of a woman? and then they they challenged they the the um the rabbis challenged this notion on the basis of this Barissa that I want to read to you, that says, and you shall you shall beware of any evil thing. And this teaches that a man may not gaze upon a beautiful woman even if she's unmarried, nor upon a married woman, even if she's ugly. Okay, whatever we're supposed to learn from that. And then it goes on to say, nor upon the colorful clothing of a woman. And the Talmud teaches us, and the commentators teach us that it means if whether she's wearing those clothes or not. And the whole point recognizing that this um, this Talmud was written a long time ago and we have our own views living in our world today of of what this might mean. But what it meant back then was that we have to be incredibly careful when it comes to cleanliness that we have to also include our thinking, our thoughts, not just our actions, um, but we also have to consider our thoughts. And so, in in the Talmud, we learn that that uh, that uh, gazing on a colorful clothing of a woman will lead us to uh, forbidden thoughts, which might lead us to forbidden speech and forbidden action. So, maybe this is our entry point now into this week's parsha, and this week's parsha is Tetzaveh, in the book of Exodus, in the book of Shemot, and it is the second parsha. ...talking about the construction of the Mishkan, of the traveling tabernacle, and it also uh, introduces us to the construction of the clothing that the uh, priest, that the high priest, would wear. So, it begins in the Parsha, which, let me tell you where, at the very beginning of the Parsha, it says... Okay, at the beginning of the Pasha, we're in 20, uh, chapter 27, verse 20. It says, tetzaveh, And you shall command at B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, lecha, that they should take um, unto you, for you, shemen zayit zach, katit l'ma'or. Uh, shemen zayit, olive oil, zach, pure, katit l'ma'or, beaten for the light, meaning to use for the light, to cause the lamp, the everlasting light, to burn continually. So what's interesting for me is that it's shemin zayit zach, it's pure olive oil. And we learn from um, from Rashi, where, it's, where the Torah says that it has to be beaten for the light. It cannot be ground, because if you grind an olive... There's a good possibility that some of the pit is going to be ground as well, and then you'll have sediment in the olive oil. So if we are going to um, use the Mishkan as an object of orientation, object of awareness towards cleanliness, then we're looking for purity. We're looking for Zakh, Shem Zakh, this pure olive oil. And so we also learn later on in the Pasha that the clothes of the priest have to be big-day kodesh. They have to be holy clothes. Now, we know that kodesh also means to separate. So we need to know our physical urges and separate them from other urges that we have, higher-level desires that are desires towards spiritual growth. And... The challenge is that we have a lot of neural pathways being crafted, a lot of messages that run through our brains, and it uh, it behooves us to figure out how to recognize when those neural messages are driven by our physical urge and the ones that are driven by our higher self into spiritual growth. So when we speak of clothing, We don't mean to not care about our clothing because we could say, well, that's just physical. Why would I care about anything physical? Um, It also doesn't mean that we don't even wear colorful clothing. It means that we have to consider the function that the clothing serves. And that's why I think in this week's Pasha, in Tetzaveh, a lot of space is given to describe the clothes of the high priest. I'd like to continue by going back to um, what we spoke about a number of weeks ago, how um, there's a Musar Sefer, a Musar book called Musilat Yasharim, The Path of the Just, written by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato um, in the 1600s, maybe the early 1700s. Oh, correct. I think it was first published in the early 1700s. So he builds this his entire book, Path of the Just, based on another b'raisa in in the Tractate of Avodah Zarah, 20b, page 20b. And it's something that Rabbi Pinchas Ben-Yair says. He says that Torah brings one to Zahirut, to heedfulness, to uh, watchfulness. Watchfulness brings you to diligence, and diligence brings you to cleanliness, and then cleanliness brings you to asceticism and so on. Asceticism brings you to purity, purity to piety, piety to humility, and so on. So we've got these runs of a ladder that we start working on one character trait and it leads us to the next. I want to read, and this will take me a minute to read to you, the commentary on the idea of cleanliness from the Tractate of Avodah Zara, page 20b. It says, cleanliness is the attribute of being free of sin, and that's what Rashi teaches us. One who has mastered heedfulness or um, um, awareness, one who has mastered awareness and diligence will come to be free of sin. Now, this is Rashi's understanding of awareness and diligence and moral cleanliness, but Masila Sharim explains the progression as follows, that Zahirut this uh, watchfulness or awareness is the painstaking care with which a righteous person guards against transgressing the prohibitions of Torah. And that's in Masila Chashrim chapters two and three. Diligence, Zerizut, which translates literally as alacrity or speed or quickness, is the promptness with which you undertake to fulfill the Torah's positive commandments. And that is in chapters 6 and 7 of Path of the Just. Cleanliness is the level achieved by one who not only avoids sin, but even cleanses their heart of the desire for sin. So it's not just not acting, but it's not even having the thought of sin. And that allows us, if we get to that level, that allows us to safely navigate even the gray areas of sin. Because if we've escaped the pull of desire, of physical desire, then we're free of self-interest. So self-interest means our ego. That if we focus on the desire for cleanliness, for nukiyut, we manage to navigate the ego pull towards um, towards satisfying our physical urges. So with that, with that teaching uh, or that commentary from. Uh, the Tractate of Zorah. I want to go to something that uh, we learn from Reb Chaim Shmuel Levitz is is quite related and quite brilliant, I think, and I think it's maybe the key takeaway in this episode. So Reb Chaim Shmuel Levitz was a member of the faculty of the Mir Yeshiva, which is a famous yeshiva that um, currently exists in Jerusalem. He was faculty member for more than 40 years when it was in Poland. And then there's a very famous story about how the Mir Yeshiva managed to escape, um, I believe, through Sweden to Shanghai. Well, they landed in Japan and then they settled in Shanghai. And then they ended up after the war. That was during the war, during the Second World War. And then they ended up in Jerusalem. And he served Rabbi Chaim Shmuel Levitz served as the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the yeshiva, uh, both in its uh, in its incarnation in Shanghai, from 1941 to 1947, and then again in Jerusalem from 1965 to 1979. He is a a wonderful thinker, and um, if you can find any of his teachings, uh, there is one book that I have of his teachings, um, and hopefully there are others that I haven't found yet. But uh, anyway, in his Sichas Musa, number 43 and 45, he teaches of the importance of making decisions in a calm and tranquil state. So that is, according to him, nukiyut, it's a clarity of mind, a cleansing of the mind, that is free of ego. And once you're free of ego, and I don't mean completely free of ego, but I mean the ego, the part, the ego self, the ego drive that pulls you down into physical, uh, satisfying physical desires, that when you're free of that part of your ego, then that calm and tranquil state will come to you after um, the trait of decisiveness the trait of zurizut so i think that's a beautiful takeaway about why Nukiut is so important is that when we focus on cleanliness we can cleanse our mind and end up with a calm and tranquil state that then lets us make more intelligent uh, reasoned decisions that help us uh, help us advance in life the last thing I'd like to share with you in this episode is this idea of, um, the going back to the idea of Rabbi Avigdor Miller and his concentric circles and caring for ourselves first and then caring for others as we move out in the concentric circles. And so Musar is very interested in both, both development of the inner self but only for the purpose of serving others and ultimately serving God, serving the divine. So back to Cheshbon Nefesh, the lens through which we're looking at the Torah portion, it says, it says, mm. if this is the way that you're affected by the shortcomings of others, then you'd better remember to take care of yourself. Okay. Don't say, I am preoccupied with heavenly matters. How can I waste my time with bodily matters just for the sake of appearances? And then he quotes uh, the Talmud, Manachas 37b, by saying, human dignity is great, for it overrides a negative precept of the Torah. Okay, essentially to translate that into what we're talking about is that you have to make it easy on another person. Don't force the other person to look through your own dirt. In other words, when someone looks at you, they don't want to see the dirty version of you because it'll trigger the dirty version in themselves. And so you build empathy through the trait of nukiyut, you build empathy through clarity, through cleanliness, that if you're clean, you're not just trying to cleanse yourself for your own sake, but you have care for the others, for others, so that when they look at you, they don't see dirt, they see the path to elevation of their spiritual selves. And the reason that we want to do that is because the altar of Slobodka says that we're all made, but selamelokim, we're all made in the image of the divine, the image of God. And so we see that to wrap up in this week's Pasha in chapter 28, verse 30. Uh, let me get there quickly. Okay, in verse 30, it says, mm-hmm. And you shall put into the breastplate of judgment el chushin Hamishpat." et ha-urim ve et ha'tumim, The urim and the tumim. And those are mystical um, elements that we won't go into now. And this breastplate that's being made for the Kohen Gadol, for the high priest, you shall put upon Aaron's heart, so the heart is now being included, not just on his chest, but on his heart, when he goes in before God. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before God continually. He's going to bear the judgment. So he is not just going in for his own sake, but he's actually going in with the judgments and admonishments of of the Israelites. And isn't that a beautiful way to end this episode? To think that as we strive for nukiyut, as we strive for greater cleanliness in our own lives, that we are including everybody else and we're taking care no matter what we do to present as clean a version of ourselves to the world so that the world can elevate as much as we strive to elevate. And we're doing it in part by bearing the burden of the other, which is... The central teaching of the altar of Kelm, one of the other great Musar Rebbis, um on whose shoulders everyone else stands. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it inspires you to think about your own uh, path to Nikiyut, to cleanliness. And next week, I look forward to having David back, and we'll be moving on to the trait, to the Mida of Anava of humility. So until then, have a great week. And thank you so much for coming.